Venomous Duck Media presents Gareth and the Lost Island Episode 5 Adventures Above and Below the Waves Disclaimer This audio drama should be considered rated PG-13 for discussions of sexual hijinks, drinking, consuming questionable potions, brief moments of violence, crude language, and even cruder humour. Please use caution when listening in public, as this story may cause audible laughter. Venomous Duck Media is not liable for any strained abdominal muscles you may receive while listening, or the strange looks you might get from other commuters. If laughter persists for more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Pilot, I'm here to relieve you so you can get some lunch. I've eaten better in the past two weeks with our new chef than I have in years. Henry made a fantastic broccoli casserole that I had to stop myself at two servings to make sure there was enough for you. That was never a problem with Eggite's cooking. I was under the impression you ate it all green vegetables, Captain. <laughs> I do. If I didn't know that chimps couldn't be wizards, I would accuse Henry of using some sort of spellcraft to keep turning out one amazing meal after another. In that case, I thank you, Captain of the Glorious Dawn, for relieving me for lunch and saving some of the food for me. Let me double check our heading and I'll- Are you alright, pilot? I am unharmed, Captain. Captain, what's happening? Why did we stop so suddenly? What he said. Not now, Doctor. Pilot, hand me that spyglass. Captain, what are you looking for? Pirates. I'm not a student of airship tactics, but wouldn't it be better to be moving if we were being chased by pirates? Yes, Doctor. Moving would be a really good idea right about now. But we can't. Somehow they managed to slip a lace sapper under us without us seeing them. What the hells is a lay sapper? Short passenger who was also our doctor. A lay sapper is a small dirigible pirates use when attacking lay ships. They are equipped with special divining rods that disrupt the magic flowing from a ley line. Once the lay ship is fully disabled, the main pirate ship moves in for the kill. There! Bastards painted their gas sack and hold the same blue as the sea. Looks like they're about 200 feet below us. What about our cannon? Hey, can't we shoot the sapper below us? Or the main pirate ship when it gets here? The lace sapper is directly below us. There is no way we can depress the barrel of the cannon low enough to get a shot. As for the larger dirigible the pirates are most likely using, they will send out a swarm of two-man minnows to take control and neutralize any defense before they risk their main ship. The only thing our cannon is actually good for is scaring away the occasional dragon. What are minnows? I have heard the engineer of the Glorious Dawn describe a minnow as a result of a drunken one-night stand between a dirigible and a bicycle. The pirate steering the craft is responsible for pedaling to turn the propellers. The other pirate will either be stationed on a platform ready to jump onto the enemy airship, or belted into a seat so they can act as snipers to soften up the resistance they see on deck. 
Since we know the pirates are using camouflage, we have a better idea of what to look for to find the rest of their forces. There they are. I count twelve minnows coming in fast. They'll be on us in less than ten minutes. Mintle! Go see if you can help Izzy eke out any more power from the batteries. You got it, Captain. Doctor? Henry? Wanted you on deck to help repel borders. Henry, you heard the captain. Go fetch my fighting gloves. At once, sir. Doc, just to make sure I'm not hallucinating, is your butler wearing a pot on his head and holding a cast iron frying pan? At least he brought two pistols in your fighting gloves. I wouldn't disparage Mr. Smashy around Henry. He's rather fond of that frying pan. What I want to know is why he brought my boxing gloves when I specifically asked for my fighting gloves. Never mind. I'll find them myself. Excuse me, Captain. Captain, the minnows will be within firing range any second now. Perhaps sooner. Thank the mythical gods their snipers can't shoot straight. They somehow managed to miss a big-ass target like the Glorious Dawn. Well, the snipers could have been zeroing in their sights. Thank you, pilot. You're welcome, Captain. By the way, the amazing chef is trying to draw attention. It appears as though he is pointing to the pistols tucked into his kilt, and then up towards the crew's nest. Do it, Henry! Give them a taste of their own medicine. Time to show them <laughs> an two boomstick. The sniper on the closest minnow dropped his rifle to put to his chest. Blood welled from beneath the pirate's fingers, and he soon slumped over in his seat. Hmm. Signs were a bit off. I was aiming for the gas sack. <laughs> I love explosions. Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> Idiot always jumps too early. At least he managed to grab a handhold on the side of that freighter. Okay, boys. Wait for it. Now jump! Time for a lead ball. Welcome, you assholes! <laughs> My gun! Pirate prick! Shove me from behind! Gah! Bloody hell, what happened to your face? That's for my gun. That's for criticizing a woman's looks. Pilot, behind you! Thank you for the warning, Captain of the Brewer's Dawn. Don't worry, I'll fix those ribs up later if you want. Don't worry, I can fix those too. Interesting. It isn't every day you see a dwarf in a steam-powered exoskeleton. Doctor, why are you offering to help these scumbags? It's the only way I can get around my oath as a healer to do no harm. As long as I offer to fix what I broke, it all equals out in the end. Whatever helps you sleep at night, Doctor. I just hope you can kill one of these assholes if you need to. Damn it, Captain. I'm a doctor, not an executioner. A pirate wearing a shirt made of flowing red silk accidentally stepped in between Chalmers and another pirate who had managed to pick up Elizabeth's lost revolver. Chalmers, <laughs> here I come to save the day! 
Ooh. Henry, the actions of one's manservant reflect directly upon the gentleman who employs him, and the gentleman does not scramble scrotums with a skillet. I wish there was something more I could do to help Izzy, instead of just standing here. Why am I talking out loud? Neither Izzy or I can hear each other, thanks to the earmuffs we're wearing. Izzy's look really hot, both figuratively and literally. She's pouring sweat. At least I can help with that. I'll pour her a drink from the pitcher on the table. Izzy! Here! Drink this! What? Something to drink? Thanks, Gareth. Oh, gross! That must have been the coffee I keep forgetting to toss out. It's been down here since before we left Pig Shit. I can't tell what you're saying, but by your reaction, I'm guessing there's something wrong with this drink. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, if coffee could die, ugh, and then somehow be resurrected as a zombie, this is what its ass would smell like. Need air. Now to dispose of that cousin to whatever it was Henry found in the icebox. An open window. Thank the gods and their wizards. Now I just need to climb a few feet to get to it. Yes, I'm saved. That's right, Missy. You have every reason to be afraid once you've seen me. What the hells did they just throw in my face? It smells like something siphoned out of a demon's latrine. I have to wipe it out of my eyes and off my face. Ah, ah, there. Oh, wait. Oops. Ah! Now what? Izzy, I'm going topside to see what's going on. My nose! Oh! Huh. What was that? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. What does matter are those harpoons attached to ropes buried in the deck. Pirates are queuing up to slide down the ropes from the main pirate ship above us. If any more come down, we'll be overwhelmed. Think, Gareth. Think. I got it. The only thing I recognized in Izzy's engine room was the dwarvish room for power. I bet if I cut power from the batteries, we'll drop and yank out the harpoons. I'll just need to be fast and turn it back on before we fall too far. Gareth, what are you doing? No, don't flip that switch. Ah! That's weird. Why did we stop falling so soon? We must have landed on the lace slapper's gas sack. Quick, throw the switch again before their gas sack. Gareth, I don't know if I want to kill you or kiss you for pulling a stunt like that. I know which one I vote for. What was that? Oh, nothing, nothing. Oh, let, let's go topside and see if we won. Huh. I thought that would have yanked the harpoons out of our deck, not ripped them from their moorings on the pirate ship. That much force snapped all the lines connecting their hulls to their gas sack on one side. 
I guess they won't be a problem now, since their whole airship is hanging sideways from one set of cables. I'm surprised that the ones on the other side could take all that strain. Or maybe they couldn't. Huh. Ooh, I wonder if I can see the pirate airships in the ocean. Hey, Trollness, hey, come over here to the railing. It looks like some of the pirates survived the fall and are swimming towards the floating pieces of the wreckage. Fine, but I'll reserve the right to scream and run away if I get too frightened from seeing so much water. They look like tiny dolls floating around. Um, what's that? What's what? That huge dark shape circling the wreckage. Oh, never mind. It's gone now. It looked like it was at least four times as big as that larger airship down there. That is one big fish. Gareth, you know how I said I would make the dive with you when we reached the dig site? I've changed my mind. Captain of the Glorious Dawn, we're above the coordinates the passenger who almost got us killed in the undergarment solely fall gave us. Speak for yourself. I made the mistake of going commando that day. Wonderful. Now I'm oversharing like their catastrophe masquerading as a human. I'll go let the others know that we've arrived and help Izzy into a dive suit. Bring us down until we're just above the water. I still can't believe Izzy volunteered to help that idiot. Her reasons are truly a complete mystery. I know, right? And people say I have difficulty interpreting social cues. We're above the drop point. Sheldon, lower the loading ramp. Aye, aye, Captain. Get it? Cause we're ice dogs. Wait for laughter. Nothing? Sheesh. Uh, lowering the ramp now, Captain. And for the record, Two of the three of us think he's an idiot, too. Thanks again for volunteering to take my place on this dive, Izzy. I feel like I'm letting Gareth down, but I freeze up every time I even think about surrounding myself with that much wet death. Don't worry about it, Trollness. You would have barely been able to move anyway with all the modifications needed for the suit to fit you. Yeah. We didn't think of that. We stopped, borrowed the suits. Not like we could have found one made to fit the dwarf in the first place. My people have too much common sense. Don't worry, Trollness. I'll keep your boys safe down there. Thank you, lass. Looks like Gareth has his helmet on. I'd better hurry so he can get into the water to activate his breathing tubes. I'll help you, Izzy. Hear me okay? Uh, yeah, I can, but you sound a little muffled. They were still working out the kinks on the sound cable when we grabbed the suits. It works along the same principle as running a string between two tin cans. How does that work? When Elizabeth and I were little girls, we played that game with the cans. I thought the string, or cable in this case, had to be strung tight between the two ends to transmit sound. This cable has lots of slack. 
let's just say it's a good thing the priest who inspected our gear didn't unscrew the housing to the connector fittings. If they had, I would have had to explain why there were small energy converting runes engraved into the ends of the cables. There are two cables bundled together, aren't there? You would need one in each direction with reversed runes at the opposite end for it to work correctly. Well, very good, Izzy. I'm impressed. You're right. We used two cables. Before I left, the Applied Magic Gents and I were experimenting with which runes worked the best. That's why our voices sound muffled. We haven't quite found the right combination of runes and cable materials. Gareth, if you keep turning like that, you're going to wrap yourself up in the cable. Sorry. I keep seeing something out of the corner of my eye. A large something with far too many teeth for my like. Whenever I turn to get a better look at it, it darts off. It looks like the lights are keeping it away, so I don't think we have to worry too much about it. After watching the Leviathan eat the lace zapper, I'm not as confident. Float over here so we can touch suits back to back. Good plan. Better safe than sorry. Other than a city that was submerged in a terrible earthquake, what exactly are we looking for? Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure. The first tablet was found in a ruined temple, deep in the plains of the southern continent. I'm hoping we can find a similar building and start our search from there. You mean something like a stepped pyramid? Yeah, something like that. Look over here and down, about 20 degrees. Good eyes, Izzy. That's exactly where we should start looking. Oh no, we're facing the same direction. Garrett, remember that thing you were trying to see that kept swimming away? Yeah, why? Now would be a good time to speed up our descent. Oh, looking at an angry eye, bigger than my helmet and close enough to touch, makes part of my mind very proud of you, Izzy, for staying so calm. Another small part of my mind is suggesting I scream, avoid my bladder, and curl up into a terrified ball. I'm trying to use what parts are left over to come up with a way to get us out of this. Thanks! Now work quicker before we're eaten because I'm out of ideas. Uh, okay, I think I've got it. There's an emergency valve on the right side of your belt. If we turn them all the way counterclockwise, it will flood our ballast pouches and will sink like rocks. Just need to make sure we turn the valves at the same time so we don't get separated and snap the communication cable. On the count of three? On three. One, two, three. Izzy, swim towards that opening at the top of the temple. It's stone and it looks too small for our new friend to fit through. We made it! Uh, duck! Uh, it looks like that thing left for now. I've got to hand it to you, Professor. This is definitely the least boring first date I've been on. Sorry? I think my helmet got hit by a rock. I'm getting some feedback on my end of the cable. What did you say? Uh, nothing. You must be hearing things. Come on, let's explore this temple and give our fishy friend time to lose interest in us. Oh, Izzy, hold up for a minute. My light just reflected off something in this room, off to our left. What did you find? Oh, wow! There have to be hundreds of these tiny metal statues. 
This one even has a tiny removable sword in its hand. Open your sack, and we'll put as many of these statues in it as we can. After that, should we head back up? Not quite yet. I want to see what's at the heart of this pyramid. Lead on. Huh. I don't know what I was expecting to find at the heart of this pyramid, but a room ringed with statues and a black stone altar in the center sure wasn't it. The skeletons scattered around the floor at a nice, creepy feel. Maybe I should decorate my cabin this way? Gareth, are you listening to me? Why are you staring at that statue with the strange armor and black rod in its hand? Weird. They look human, but have ears that point up instead of back like an elf's. Garrett! Snap out of it! What? Oh, sorry. Here. You can keep this rod as a remembrance of your time together. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Come on, let's go check out that altar. Well, that's underwhelming. Nothing here but a stupid clay tablet. I don't think so, Izzy. First off, that clay tablet is just like the one that housed the metal tablet that I showed you. And secondly, why would someone go to such great lengths to set up a trap over something worthless? Trap? What trap? Uh, the, uh, the one we set off by coming in here. Let me put the tablet into my sack, and then let's turn around slowly. Okay, everything looks the same to me. Lots of water, stone statues, and skeletons on the floor. How many skeletons do you count? One, two, three, four, five. Ah, damn. I was hoping I'd miscounted. There were only three when we entered the room. And now the skeletons are standing up, and they have swords in their hands. Uh, sometimes I hate it when I'm right. If you skinny bitches think we're going down without a fight, your skulls are emptier than they look. Well, punching them did absolutely nothing. Did I say skinny bitches? I meant that those bleached bones are really thinning. It's a good look for you. Oh, crap. No one hurts Izzy when I'm around. Well, now we know that whatever the rod is made from is at least as strong as steel. And it works on skeletons! It knocked the hand holding the sword clean off! It separated its head from the rest of the body just as easily. Take its sword while I put the skull in my sack. Trollus will want to study it later. I just have to be careful since its jaws are still clacking like mad. Will do. And I'm taking its femur as an offhand weapon. Just because I know it'll piss it off. Okay, now that I'm armed as well, we're back to y'all being skinny bitches. Yeah. That is totally not fair! Your bones just reconnected instead of floating away like the ones that Gareth hits. Why are you rubbing your hands under your eye sockets like you're crying? Are you mocking me? You are, aren't you? Here, have an extra bone in your extremely underweight face. Yeah, somehow I don't think taking off your own skull to stand on will really work out for you. This is pretty interesting. Whichever bone I touch with the rod immediately separates from the others, even if I strike several bones in a row. Wow! Gareth, you've been stabbed through the leg! I'm okay. It tried to go for my femoral artery. The bulkiness of the suit must have thrown off its aim. But that doesn't mean I'm not pissed off. Hey, how about an equally low blow? Huh. Note to self, 
using the rod to strike the groin of a skeleton will disconnect all 206 bones from his body at the same time. <laughs> I thought you said it didn't hurt you. Sorry, that sound was the noise every guy will make when ice water comes into contact with a certain part of their anatomy. Oh, desiccated dwarf tanglies. That water's cold. Wait, where's the last skeleton? We, we only took down four. I think after seeing us take apart its compatriots, it's pretending to be deader than it already is. I saw it doing a dead man's float through the door at the end of the room. That's good, because I'm starting to lose feeling in my legs. In fact, I don't think I can move them at all. Don't worry, I'll wrap my arms around you and kick for the both of us. We'll be at the surface before you know it. You were nearly killed a couple of times for this stupid clay tablet. Well, yes, but we also got these. At least we should be able to get a decent price for those tiny statues. The only people interested in a clay tablet would be scholars, and no offense, Professor, but your kind aren't known for their large fortunes. None taken. So, Gareth, does this tablet say the same thing as the last one? Yep, break to open. What in the hell is that? Directions to the next dig site. Where are we going next, Gareth? Let me check my notes and the map we brought. Looks like we'll be headed to... Chimia. We'll need to pick up some supplies first so I can whip up some bug repellent. From what I've read, the jungles of Chimia are home to more species of the little blighters than anywhere else on the planet. Wait, just one blasted minute. Who said anything about taking you lot anywhere? You paid us to take you to the archaeology site and stand by while you did whatever you scholars do. We never agreed to join you on some bloody scavenger hunt across Hadronus. Especially one that puts my crew in danger! Elizabeth! No, Izzy! You almost got eaten by a giant fish, crushed by falling debris, and skewered by a group of skeletons. After that, you had to risk your own safety to literally drag the professor, someone who supposedly knew what he was doing, to safety. Gareth saved my life down there as well. I'm an adult now. You'd better start treating me like one. You might be an adult, but I'm the captain of this airship and your older sister. I would be failing in both duties if I let you get killed. Gareth, lad, why don't you take the young Missy here out onto deck for some fresh air? As the financial officer of this expedition, I'll negotiate new terms with the captain. That sounds like a very good idea. As part owner of the Glorious Dawn, I'll back whatever you offer, Trollness. If Elizabeth disagrees, we'll put it to a vote amongst the other crew members. If you need me, Lizard Breath, I'll be up on deck. You know, Izzy, I think seeing you stand up to Elizabeth is even more impressive than what you did on our dive. I don't mind telling you that she scares me. It's the arm. It scares most people. That's not it. Well, at least not all of it. What's scary is how she's always glaring at me. And I get the distinct impression that she wants to ram that mechanical arm somewhere I'd rather it not go. <laughs> What was that you called Elizabeth before we left? I called her Lizard Breath. When I was very young, 
My parents always referred to my sister as Liz. One day, I heard them use her full name when she had gotten in some really serious trouble. You know, the type of trouble when your parents use your first, middle, and last name. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean. It's okay. Go on with your story. The point of the story is that I misheard what my mother said. I thought she had said lizard breath instead of Elizabeth. In my defense, Liz could just as easily be a shortened version of lizard as Elizabeth. The next time I got mad at Liz, I used the same tone as my mother and called her lizard breath. Both mom and dad thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. They used the new name whenever they wanted to tease her. I only use it now when I want Elizabeth to know I'm really angry with her. Your parents sound like people I would really like to get to know. I think they would have liked you too. My parents ran a shipping business that they had grown from a single ship into a small fleet. They met when my father was the pilot and my mother the engineer of the same airship. They died when I was 12. A group of merchants who operated on the wrong side of the law took offense at how my parents refused to either do business with them or pay protection money. In one night, they set fire to every ship on our business dock as well as our home. What happened after that? The fire spread so fast, we never had a chance to get out of our rooms. Smoke was coming from under my door, so I opened the secret passage Father had installed between my room and Elizabeth's to see if she was alright. Her room was already on fire. I found Elizabeth trapped under a burning piece of wall that had fallen on her. Her spare blanket was on the floor, so I used it to smother the flames on her body. After wrapping Elizabeth up in the blanket, I somehow managed to pull her into my room and shut the secret door behind us. When I opened my bedroom window, I saw the grounds had been put to the torch as well. I went back to where I had left Elizabeth and held her burned face in my hand while I tried to prepare myself to die. Dear God! I had given up, when suddenly I saw the most beautiful thing ever! The beat-up bow of an airship freighter was smashing through my wall. It was a freighter my parents had been considering decommissioning. The airship reversed its course and lowered its cargo ramp. The captain of the ship and his cargo master ran in, scooped up me and Elizabeth, and then got us to safety. How did that ship avoid being torched with the others? The captain of the Glorious Dawn had run into bad weather and was several hours past due. While they were still off the coast, Captain Dunning could see the docks ablaze. He had been friends with both my parents for many years, so he burned all of their available ethereum ore to get to our home. Once Dunning got there, he found the whole house on fire. He had given up hope when he suddenly saw me open my window. Dunning had always been a man of action and decided that ramming the house would be the quickest way to get me out of that inferno. He and I used all of my parents' money to pay for the best medical attention we could get for Elizabeth. And now I feel guilty for every negative thought I've had about this old airship. What happened to Captain Dunning? Dunning retired about four years ago and made Elizabeth captain. He's living on a tropical island with a native girl he married. We stop by every now and then to check on him. Of course, after our last visit, we'll give him warning that we're coming. It'll give him a chance to put some clothes on. Okay, Professor, enough about my past. I would like to hear about what we are actually doing on this voyage. 
It's obviously more than just some simple archaeology expedition. This all started when there was a disagreement over me getting my tenure at the University of Arcanum. To settle the matter, the powers that be gave me what they thought was an impossible quest. Find the lost island of Muscal. We were given a clay tablet that supposedly had something to do with Muscal. I'm sure the dean just assumed it was more delusional rantings from Professor Dunst, or else the dean would have never given it to us in the first place. We also thought the tablet was useless, until Henry noticed something. The tablet had hidden markings on it in a language that, as far as I know, I'm the only one who can read. A language I don't remember learning. Huh? When the fisherman found me in my lifeboat, I knew my name, how old I was, but nothing else. My memory was a complete blank. To make matters even worse, I spoke in a language that no one had ever heard before. Luckily, I picked up the trade language incredibly fast, and I was able to tell the orphanage workers my name after only a week. A small part of me wants to complete this quest, just so I can rub the University of Arcanum's nose in it, before I tell them I'd rather kiss a rabid badger than ever teach for them again. And the rest of me is hoping I can find out more about where I came from and what I am. What do you mean, what you are? I've always thought that I was some sort of a mutant, a person with a genetic abnormality. But now, I'm not so sure. All right, out with it. Were you born with a center mouth like an herb? Or seven toes on each foot? What I can see looks like grade A human stock to me. Do you remember the statues in the altar room? Hard to forget when you were so mesmerized by them. Well, it's more than just a mysterious language that ties me to this puzzle now. Look, if I brush my hair back like this, you can see what I'm talking about. Your ears, they're pointed like the ones on those statues. Other than the ears, anything else different from us run-of-the-mill humans? Hmm. Not that Trollis and I could find. My insides might be different. But without cutting me open, we'll never know. And I'm not too keen on being cut open. Can I touch them? Your ears, I mean. (laughs) Sure. They're soft, just like a human's. I wonder if your lips are just as soft. I can think of a few ways you can find out. (coughs) Sorry to interrupt, but I thought you might want to know that the captain and I have come to an agreement. I had to turn over half of our share of the figurines to get her to see things our way, though. That doesn't sound like lizard breath. She would normally have fought you well into the morning. There's the distinct possibility that I might have played dirty. I've reminded her that if Gareth and I go, Henry leaves with us. I don't think she was willing to give up his cooking quite yet. That is plain dirty. If we lost Henry and had to hire Egite back, I would probably jump ship no matter how high up we were flying. We'll be stopping at St. Marine to sell the loot and pick up supplies. Or at least you lot will. I plan on kissing the ground as soon as we land and then getting pissed drunk after spending so much time over the water. This has been 
Gareth and the Lost Island. Episode 5. Starring Peter McGiffin as the narrator and Henry's translator. Alan Petty as Trownis Granite Star. Patrick Mallard as Gareth Mintel. Deborah Mallard as Izzy Morgana. Lauren Kong as Elizabeth Morgana. Daniel Four as Sheldon's left eye stalk. OJ VA as Sheldon's right eye stalk. Casey Swan as Pilot. Featuring Alex Vansell, Peter McGiffin, Patrick Mallard, Derek Fine, and OJVA as the Pirates. Venomous Duck Media wishes to apologise to skeletons for calling them skinny bitches. That said, as skeletons, you still have teeth. Would it kill you to eat a biscuit? Gareth and the Lost Island was written and directed by Patrick Mallard.